I want to welcome everybody to a saving grace. My name is A.B. Ridgeway, and I'm the owner and financial advisor with A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management. We are a faith-based, fee-only investment advisory firm based out of Lafayette, Louisiana. We serve those locally from our location at 537 Cajun Dome Boulevard inside the Light Center. And we also have the technology to serve our clients 100% remotely. With that said, we don't mind if we have clients from California, from Texas to Arizona, we'll be happy to serve you. So don't worry if you're just outside of driving distance. This webinar will be about 35 to 40 minutes. I'm going to leave about 20 minutes for questions and answers, just in case there's something that may have been on your mind. So if you have any questions, feel free to leave them in the chat. Remember, if you're on Facebook, don't forget to enable your comments so they'll show up on my screen. Also, I wanna welcome those streaming on YouTube, our website, and LinkedIn. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Now, before I dive into the presentation, I wanna start off by talking about what it means to be a faith-based firm. Often, when we think about faith, we think about how it involves the personal sphere, my family, my church, my heart, and my values. But if God is reconciling to himself all things in Christ, this includes our jobs, our company, our industry, and even our cities. When we think about faith and investing, often we have limited the conversation to just the personal sphere. But might it also apply more broadly to our industry as well? And if not our industry, into our hobbies, if you're an animal lover, if you're an environmentalist, or if you have an affinity for teachers, then when you invest into them, you are investing in what you have faith in. That's what we mean by faith-based. In today's world, the temptation to conform to the ways of the world is always lurking. According to James chapter four, verse four, we can get distracted by the man who earns $10,000 in one month, but we refuse to look at the time he invests away from his family, the obsession he has over money, and how he has cut off relationships to focus on his quote-unquote business. Is this really prosperity at its best? Now, don't get me wrong. You can have balance. I'm not saying if you get rich, then you must have done it wrong. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that we cannot ignore the risk. So this is why I created this webinar as a saving grace. And hopefully you learn something that makes your life just a little bit better. So allow me to say a little something about myself. I have served nearly a decade in the financial industry. I obtained my master's in business administration and finance and currently pursuing my master's in certification in financial planning. I'll be celebrating my 13th wedding anniversary in three days. With my wife, Teresa Ridgeway, we have four children, Caitlin, Cyrus, Cairo, and Kane. When I'm not crunching numbers, I like to read. And my favorite book is Thoughts or Things. And that's what I want to give you today. New thoughts and ideas so you can be successful. My favorite scripture is Acts chapter 20, verse 35. In everything I did, I showed you 
that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And yes, it is better to give than to receive. But my favorite part is everything that I did, I showed you that by this kind of work, teaching finance, we must help the weak, those who are not strong in finance. And by the end of this webinar, I want you to be stronger in your faith and stronger in your finances. And, and not just your faith in God, but faith in yourself. So with that said, I want to give you a gift. I know we just met, but I'm truly grateful for you being here. So here's the deal. You can hold it, but you can't open it. But I'll tell you what it is at the end of the webinar. So enough with the logistics. Let's dive into this. Here at the firm, we like to start off conversations and financial plans with the guiding biblical principle. And a webinar is no exception. Today, we'll start with grace, understanding that we all make mistakes sometimes, and that's okay. As we read in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You and our clients are here because they have either made financial mistakes or they want to avoid them. So we keep that in mind to give them grace and help them in their time of need. This webinar is not to make you feel bad about what you've done or tell you that you are wrong. We give you grace to make new decisions based on new information because it's not just about a business. It's just not about business. It's not. We are dealing with people. This is not a video game. You have feelings and the decisions we make have real life implications, whether loss of resources or emotional pain. We have a responsibility, not only to the regulatory authorities by which we pledge to act in a fiduciary capacity, but also to the people that trust us to guide them in the right direction because they are lost. And hopefully, and maybe, just maybe, by the end of this webinar, you will be singing, I was lost, but now I'm found. So let's get into it. We have some problems to solve, and that's why you're here. The four main topics we will cover are debt management, understanding debt, and how to reduce it. We'll talk about savings, how much is enough. We'll talk about investing, retirement accounts, and brokerage accounts. And finally, we'll wrap up with wealth transfers. How to intelligently give money to your heirs. So where do we start? AB, am I ready to invest? Now, you will hear this type of question all the time. But the answer you probably would get from a good financial advisor is it depends. So I'm going to put you through the process of what you need to realize before you even consider investing. So in finance, everything must be placed in context. Without it, there's no meaning. For example, if you saw one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine on your children's schoolwork, and someone asked you, what do those numbers mean? You'll probably say nothing. They're just learning to count. 
But if you saw one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine on a check made out to you and someone asked you, what do those numbers mean? You'll probably say you're rich. That's financial context. And in finance, we are constantly looking for the context in which your finances exist. So let me give you an overview of the process. This is something you should know. So please write it down if you have a pen, if you have a piece of paper, if you have Microsoft Word up, whatever you have up, let's write this down. So let's start at the very beginning. We need to manage our debt. The goal is to get rid of it. Sounds basic, but every extra dollar you earn should go back to paying back the money you borrowed. It is easy to forget that debt is money you spent that you didn't have. So the responsibility, excuse me, so the, the, the responsible thing to do is to pay it back as soon as you get the money. The second part, talking about saving here. Once your debt is cleared, then we need to start moving into establishing an emergency fund. Name it whatever you wish, but just make sure you have it. You can name it the 2020 fund or the COVID 2.0 fund. The point here is to create a short-term safety net. So when disaster strikes, you have cash on hand to deal with it. Now, as far as investments are concerned, I like to think of investments like a body of water. Now, you can go out into the deep blue ocean with no scuba gear, or you can splash in a puddle after a sulfurine. The point is that whether you're risking your life and your savings on GameStop or getting a 0.04% in the savings account, they are both investments nonetheless. And if you're splashing in a puddle, you don't need a lifeguard. But if you decide to venture out into the turbulent seas, you may need a sea captain to help you navigate those waters. And this is where you would need a true investment advisor. Not a tip on Facebook, not something you read out of the Wall Street Journal, literally somebody in the profession to guide you in the right direction. Now, I'm all for self-education. So if you feel that you can learn it on your own, so be it. But read some books, get some help. And finally, wealth transfer. This is when the good Lord has set the sun on your life. This ensures that the purchases that you sacrificed, the savings you've accumulated, were not, not done in vain. Estate planning documents such, such as power of attorneys, beneficiary designations, trustee appointments, and last will and testaments, they legally speak for you when you can't speak for yourself. And an advisor can help you decide what you may need for your situation so the transition is smooth. So I want you to remember this. Hopefully this makes it a little easy. This is a financial pyramid. Managing your debt is going to be the foundation. Even if you pay off your debt, it is important that you still manage it because things can happen and we don't want to overextend ourselves. For example, if you have small children, you may have paid off all your debt, but when they go to school, you may have some more. So we need to learn how to manage our debt. Next, it's savings. And at the top, that little piece at the top, that's when we're talking about investments. 
That's when we're talking about wealth transfer. So as promised, I don't want to give you a vocabulary lecture, but actual tools that you can start using today. So let's start with debt because all of us are in different stages. So let's talk to those who may be in debt currently, who's come onto this webinar and want to get something out of it. So let's start there because this is the foundation. If you have debt, you have two choices to, on how to pay it off. You could do the avalanche technique or you can do the snowball technique. This is where, I hate to say it, this is where me and Dave Ramsey don't really see eye to eye. See, I believe in the avalanche technique. This is where you pay the high cost debt first, meaning the debt with the highest interest rate. So let me give you an example. If you have three credit cards, one with 20% interest, one with 24% interest, and one with 30% interest. Yes, I've seen some cards with 29.999% interest rates. But no matter the balance, you want to pay the highest interest rate card first. In this case, which one would it be? The 30% interest rate card. So why? Because each purchase and dollar, that card is being charged a higher rate. So let's say that you have an extra $300 that you pay down your cards with. So instead of dividing that $300, 100 on each card, you will pay down the debt faster if you paid the minimum on the lower two and put the remaining cash on the highest card. So your payment may look something like $25 on the first card, $25 on the second card, and $250 or uh, on the third card. Now remember, we still want to pay the minimum on the card as to not incur late fees and penalties and ultimately lower our credit score anyway. Now, the second technique is called the snowball technique, the one Dave Ramsey kind of teaches about. It is where you pay off the lowest balance first. So if you had three cards, with the same interest rates as before. Remember, 20%, 24%, and 30%. And they had balances of $2,000, $3,000, and $5,000 respectfully. You would pay off the card with the $2,000 balance first, and then the $3,000 balance, and then the $5,000 balance. So, which one should you choose? The answer is, you decide. Do you prefer paying less or feeling better? It's a funny question, but a legitimate one. By paying the card off with the highest interest rate first, you will mathematically pay less interest. That's a fact. But psychologically, it may feel better to see that at least one of those three cards now has a zero balance. Whatever helps you continue on your savings journey, that's what I encourage you to do. So when I'm helping my clients through this process, I give them the math and I let them do the filling. Here's a bonus tip. If you successfully pay down your credit card, don't shut it down. I know everybody wants to. Zero balance, let's cut it up. Let's call the credit card department and say, hey, listen, I want to close this thing down. But this practice will hurt your credit. Some do it to protect themselves from spending again. 
but your credit score is not just based on your debt to income, which we'll speak about in another webinar. It is how long you've had credit. And if you've had debt for a long time and cancel your card, you may be doing yourself more damage than you think and ruin a lot of your hard work and your savings. So keep it open, but make sure it stays paid off. Now, I'm going to move through this pretty quickly. And there, there's a couple of reasons why I'm going to do that. One is because these are tips for helping you manage your debt. And I think this is what people really come here for because I have a whole webinar on debt management. You can come see come soon, but here there's just some things that you need to know about your debt. One, who you owe. So you need to find out who the lender is, their contact information and the type. So for example, you have ABC Bank. Their phone number is 888-123-4567, and it's a credit card. You want to find out how much you owe. Being aware of how much that balance is will keep it on top of mind. How much those payments are. How much is the principal and how much is the interest? When you're making additional payments, you want to make payments toward the principal. That's going to be your bread and butter. You want to also know when the payments are due. Are they mid-month? Are they the first of the month? Are they the end of the month? Do they fall on a Wednesday? Do they fall on the 22nd? This will help you avoid penalties, such as $10 charges and $20 charges for being late. Also, late payments can be reported to your credit bureau, which can lower your credit score. Now, there's other important factors about your debt, as I said before, I'll go over later, but you want to ask, can you consolidate? Is there any way to move those high balance cards into your low balance cards? Do, do those credit card companies have a hardship program? Call your credit card department. Excuse me, ma'am. Excuse me, sir. I'm going through a tough time. Is there any way to suspend the interest rate? Is there a payment plan I can get onto? Can you reduce the interest rate overall? Can you do a balance transfer? These are these questions that you can ask to your credit card department to help manage some of your debt. Now, savings. Savings is pretty straightforward. Any cash above your living needs should go into your savings. Now, this is just in case you lose your job or income slows up. But this will give you time to find a new job, move to another state without having to worry about income. To here, I have listed a quick reference guide and you could take a moment and write down your situation. So if you're married with dependents, uh, dependents meaning if you have children, you may side on the higher end. So instead of just saving for six months, you may wanna save for 12 months. Or if you're single with dependents. The, the idea here is if you have multiple streams of income, you can have a lower range of savings. Everybody got it? I just want to make sure that I'm not moving too quickly here. And one key takeaway I do want to give everybody here is you want to automate your savings. If you can automate Netflix, your phone bill, and your Amazon Prime, and your music subscriptions, you can automate placing $20 into your savings account. And for my more affluent clients, 
depending on your situation and depending on your income, you may want to add money from your investments into your savings or vice versa. You may have too much in your savings and need to do something with it. So we're halfway through this presentation to do a temperature check. So I'm going to take a little break here. I'm going to check the chat, see if there's any questions that people may have had. Um, if you do have some questions, put them in the chat and I'm going to be right back. Let's see here. All right. So it looks like we did get a question. And the question reads, what do we do if the credit card department doesn't want to work with us? Uh, that's a tough question, right? It's really nothing. And I know that's kind of blunt, but the idea here is that it is your debt. You spent it. You have the item in your house. You've used it. So, you know, we do have to pay that back. Um, but the great part about that as well, it can be a down payment on a learning lesson. And sometimes we don't learn that until we're a lot older um, when we're trying to make major decisions. I think that can be a very big eye opener um, that the world is a cruel and unusual place. Uh, we do have another question. What if you pay off your credit card? Um, see, what if you pay off your credit cards, stop using them, but keep the account open? Perfect. That's exactly what you should do. So you can still use them um, because you build credit by using credit. I know it sounds kind of backwards, but think of it from this perspective. People want to know that they can trust you. So if you borrow money from Jim and you pay him back and you borrow some more money from Jim and you pay him back, you borrow some more and you give it back and, and on and on and on for five and 10 years. How willing is he to sing your praises? Hey, when I give him money, he pays me back and that helps. So that, that's one thing you want to do. So, yes, you do want to keep those accounts open, especially if you've had them for a long time. Opening and closing accounts um, is not a good sign, uh, especially to the uh, credit card bureaus. Take a look here. So what I'm going to do. I'm going to go forward. I, I know I still have a couple more questions, but um, I want to make sure that I respect everybody's time here as well. So what I'm going to do is get back to the presentation. So as a faith-based firm, we think that the guiding principles are also important when talking about faith-based investing. So what I do, I try to educate my clients on values such as patience, seeking counsel, and leaving an inheritance for those heirs. Now, I'm not an advocate of blind faith, but I am an advocate of leveraging your religion, whatever that may be, to develop discernment. Because how we invest into things is just as important as what we invest in. Your faith and your finances don't have to be separate. According to Jeff Van Duzer, he has an excellent book, Why Business Matters to God. The primary purpose of business is twofold. One, to provide the community with goods and services that enables it to flourish. And two, to provide opportunities for meaningful work that enables people to utilize their God-given ability. The first is external. The second is internal. For me, financial advising is my God-given ability. To be able to connect with clients and get to the core of their values and make sure that they can express that through their investments. I kind of consider myself almost a ghostwriter to their life. But through my services, it allows clients to flourish and not just financially, but spiritually. And it's meaningful 
And that's the key. So the guiding principles are this. Proverbs chapter 22, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 2, also, it is not good for a person to be without knowledge. And he who hurries his steps, errs. So he who tries to rush makes mistakes. So with these guiding principles in mind, now that you've managed your debt, you have saved six to 12 months in case of an emergency, and now you're ready to start putting money into the market. But before we do, let's look a little deeper at these retirement accounts. Here, take here, make sure I'm on the right slide here. Perfect. If you've been working and you've probably seen one or two of these retirement accounts before, if you haven't, it was probably in that big stack of you know papers you had to sign when you first got hired. The reason I bring this up is because in most companies, in their retirement accounts, whether it's a 401k or a pension, which are slowly becoming more rare, so if you have one, please feel blessed, there is a benefit to you. In a 401k, the assets grow tax deferred, and some companies even match your contributions. In a pension, companies put money aside for your retirement, you get the money, they get a tax write-off, you can even purchase company stock at a discount inside of an employer stock option plan, or get a tax write-off when you make contributions into a traditional IRA, which would lower your adjusted gross income and potentially lower your tax implication. But the bottom line here is that when clients tell me, I need help with my retirement, I usually ask jokingly, which one? They all have their advantages and disadvantages, but understanding your options will help you maximize your outcome. So we try to help our clients maximize their qualified contributions. That's before taxes, before they pursue non-qualified investment options. So the key takeaway here is your retirement account is tied to the stock market. So if you think it's safe because it's in your retirement or you're not taking any risk, that's simply not true. You should review your retirements just like you review your other accounts. So now, brokerage accounts, Bitcoin, GameStop, and Tesla. Now we meet the elephant in the room brokerage accounts, right? Where we have the freedom to buy Bitcoin and GameStop and Tesla and Google and Home Depot and on and on and on and on. So the question is, can I buy those stocks? And the long answer is yes. But the short answer is no. And I'm not talking about the number of letters in the answer. What do I mean? Yes. You have a constitutional right to buy what you want, when you want, and how you want. But is it suitable for you and your situation is the real question. And if you have not managed your debt, you have not saved an emergency fund, you have not maximized the free money and the qualified contributions of your employer, then no, you're not ready. And also, let me ask you a few questions. What is your experience with stocks? How many counselors have you sought out to learn about stocks? That was one of our guiding principles. How many books have you read? 
How many small trades have you made? Do you know what a P.E. ratio is? Do you understand how dividends are paid? Do you know what the earnings per share is for the stock? What sector of the market is that stock in? Is it a large cap, small cap or mid cap? What role does it play in your overall financial picture? What allocation is your whole portfolio? Is it 60-40? Is it 20-80? You see here, there's a lot more to ask than just, should I choose GameStop? And if you're able to answer three of those questions with confidence, you are on the right track. If not, then you need to seek some help. And there are more questions to ask other than, should I buy or sell what I see on TV? Now, we're going to wrap it up with wealth transfer. I probably can go 30 minutes just on account ownership types, but there are some things I want to get to. First, when preparing for wealth transfers, we're going to need the holy trinity of finances. You'll need a lawyer to draft the documents, an accountant to check for tax advantages, and a financial advisor to execute the trades and set up the accounts. This is the most important step in everything that we do. Because we have come this far, you should be proud of yourself. All the sacrifices you've made, all the long hours you've worked, and you don't want the next generation not to know how much it means to you that they do the right thing. Did you know that the biggest risk to net worth is not bad financial, legal, or tax advice? It is communication breakdown. From generation to generation. It comes from individuals winging their finances or keeping a mental record. So when that mental capacity diminishes, no one knows what to do. That's why a financial plan lays out what the steps are, where the balances are, and who will receive what amount and when. And speaking of wealth transfer, you may want to give your local church or charity some of your estate assets. Remember, most 501c3s will accept appreciated stock, which can help with tax implications of the estate. So most of my current clients fall under the last two categories. Those who are currently in the investment stage and concerned with wealth transfer. My firm is a boutique style uh, who typically work with high net worth clients. Clients who ages range from 45 to 65 years old with a minimum of $500,000 of investable assets. My clients typically have or had the money in a retirement account and doesn't know how to manage it. And now that they're retired, they need some help. They're looking on how to invest for their children's future, protecting what they have so they have something to give. And one of the major pain points is, will they have enough to last them through retirement? So most of the information I provide on my site is tailored to their needs and address their financial concerns, such as market corrections, estate planning, maintaining an income stream during retirement, helping with elderly parents, the cost of health care, charitable giving, and how to pay the least amount of taxes. And in some cases, they have a charity or church that they give to religiously and want to make sure that they are maximizing that giving in a responsible way. So we may have joint meetings with a community foundation leader and their church pastor about donor advised funds and other vehicles.
to make an impact in the community in which they live. So why do they hire me? Because they want to grow their investments so they can give more to the people and organizations that they love, but not so much that they have to ask for some of it back later. And we do all this from a biblical perspective, just as we did in this presentation. We believe in the guiding principles because how you invest is just as important as what you invest in. So my prayer today is that you find somebody that you can trust to help you through the most important times in your life, who understands that faith and finances don't have to be separate. Remember, you want someone who's going to guide you, not tell you what to do. It's financial advice, not financial parenting. If you're a believer, you know that all this belongs to God and that this is the money that God has made you steward over. Now, I can't tell you what to do. You should follow your heart and what God has placed on it. I'm here to provide the options and help you avoid the dangers of poor financial decisions. And based on biblical principles, I can't honestly tell you how to hire me because I don't know your situation and if we will be a good fit or not. But what I can say is that if you feel this is where you would like to be because you're preparing for your wealth transfer and need help with your current investments, give me a call. I hope that you've been blessed. And until we meet again, God bless you. So ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the end of this webinar. But before we go into the question and answer segment, I want to take a few housekeeping items. First, if you like this presentation and you have a group, you have a church, or you have a charity that needs to hear this message, you can send a speaking request to info, that's I-N-F-O, at A-B-R Wealth Management with presentation requests in the subject line. We can host a private session where we can tailor the presentation to your group. I'll have the contact information on the last slide. For those of you who are not ready to work with a financial advisor, and that's fine, but you like this presentation and would like to hear more in-depth analysis on techniques on how to manage your finances, join our email list, which will give you resources directly into your inbox. Also, be the first to be notified of new events and special guests we interview on our podcast. Remember, we're on LinkedIn, where we can connect on a professional level. We have AB Ridgeway Wealth Management Facebook group, where I'll be posting Financial Friday videos, short five to 10 minute clips about market updates and things you need to know about finances. Be sure to check out our podcast, Financial Advisors Say the Darndest Things, where we have special guests like Stuart Peskin, a charter, a charter excuse me, financial analyst to discuss the benefits of sustainable investing and financial topics such as when choosing a financial advisor, three questions you should ask them. I also have something for the kids. Freedom for Serafina, where we share heartwarming stories, poems, and inspirational writings the whole family can enjoy. Currently, we are reading Alice in Wonderland with the first two chapters already posted. Both podcasts are available on our website at abrwealthmanagement.com backslash media, Google Podcast, iTunes, and Spotify. Just search Freedom for Serafina or Financial Advisor Save the Darndest Things and subscribe there. 
for my more seasoned investors on this webinar, I have a special webinar just for you coming up next. And not next as in today, but next coming up in the future. Things to consider during a recession or market correction. This is spoiled. It is more than just if you should hold or sell. So check back often and find a webinar that fits your financial needs. We'll also be talking about what issues should I consider when paying off my student loans. Also investment plans and inside look into our process. This is where I bring you into my world and show you what a true financial plan should look like and some of the building blocks. So a lot of you have listened to this webinar and are interested in building your financial success built on those four pillars. Here, I kind of flesh out some things you may want to consider in that process in your development. So congratulations, you've made it. As promised, I did want to give you all a gift. We're sticking it out this long. So for those who RSVP to the event, I'm giving away a 2021, not car, resource guide that gives important dates, that answers important financial questions that you may be thinking about, such as when are my taxes due? When should you take your required minimum distribution? When is the open enrollment for employee benefits? And when general enrollment period for Medicare and other questions that affect you and your finances? But that's not it. I'll also be providing a free 40-minute guidance session via Zoom, a one-on-one -on -one meeting with me to get some of your questions answered. Maybe there was something you want to ask today, but was afraid to, or just need to be pointed in the right direction. And because you have RSVP'd, you won't just get the phone call, but the following day, you will receive a financial SWOT analysis. That's your strengths, that's your weaknesses, your opportunities, and your threats to your financial situation with the topics we discussed and some ideas that you can consider. This will give you an understanding, an opportunity to know how it feels to work with a financial advisor. There's no obligation, there's no hidden fees, just send us an email with IRSVP'd in the subject line, and I'll send you a link to the book. So for those who didn't RSVP, I still want to thank you for your time as well and coming to the event. With that said, I'm willing to give you also a 40-minute question and answer session. You can also send us an email with free Q&A in the subject line to the same address. This is what you will receive. So once again, I want to thank you and may God bless you. I'll leave up my contact information here. You are free to go. And if you have any questions and want to stick around, uh, I'll be opening up the chat now to answer some of your questions. Up, oh, you're very welcome. People are saying thank you and great webinar. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. So somebody asked me a question about the SWOT analysis. The SWOT analysis basically takes your personal financial situation. And what we do is, let me change this here. Hello, everybody. Hello. So basically what a SWOT analysis is, it takes your 
strengths, takes your weaknesses, your opportunities, your threats for your specific financial uh, situation. So maybe saving is one of your strengths, right? So being conservative, being able to put money aside for, for the future, maybe one of your strengths, but maybe one of your weaknesses is where you're actually putting your savings. So majority of us puts them into a savings account, which may be only drawing the point to 0.02%, right? So that's not really going to help us with inflation coming down the road. But what we really want to do is tackle that situation, find out how we can improve it. And what we usually do is break down the opportunities. So what are some products that are available to you? Um, where can we maximize uh, your situation where you can still live the life that you want to, but we can also prepare for success in the best way possible. Let's take a look here. I hope that answered the question. If it, if it didn't, I apologize. You can write it in the comments that it didn't. <laughs> see. Somebody wants me to go back to this other slide. This, this, is, this is basically what we do to break down our client's financial situation. Once again, these are, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but I'll make this a little bit bigger so you can see it here. These are what I create for my clients. So we talk about the overview. Uh, they do get a SWOT analysis for their financial situation. We talk about what technology they may need. So some of my clients, they work offshore. So they go on these two and three week hitches where they need contact with me and they're offshore. So we develop the technology in order to communicate. So they're not lacking in that situation. We also have a management plan, key decision makers. Sometimes we have older individuals that want a younger child to help with that management. So we identify key decision makers. Privacy is a huge thing for us. So we make sure that we don't give proprietary information or or information that doesn't need to be shared. Uh, sometimes parents don't want to share information with different siblings. So that's very crucial that we keep revisiting um, this conversation, right? Next steps, we always talk about where we're going, right? It's, it's great that we're, where we're here, but how do we stay here and then how we keep going? And then we wrap up with a financial plan. So this is what this is, and this is what um, my clients rely on. Now, this is very dynamic. This is not a one-time thing and that's it. We continuously update this analysis um, based on the situation because things happen. So just like in 2020 when COVID happened, you know, we want to make sure that we're adjusting um, to what's going on. But remember, if you had a large enough savings, let's say you had the 12 month savings, then we're still in a good spot. Here, uh, somebody asked the email address is here info at abrwealthmanagement.com. As I said before, if you RSVP'd, uh, just put in the subject line, I RSVP'd, and we can book a time to, to talk about your financial situation for what it is. Uh, somebody wants me to go back to the financial pyramid. Let's see here. Is that what you were looking for? Right. So see if I'm reading that right. Right. So even though investing in your retirement is going to 
be the largest asset you probably have, right? Your retirement is going to be your big retirement, right? Your quarter million or half a million or whatnot. That's fine. But if you have large amounts of debt, you're stretched out, you own three and four different properties and you have no savings account, no emergency, then investing really doesn't matter at that point. So investing is not just investing in other companies because you got to understand when you invest into a company, you become a part owner, right? So you're believing in their business practices. Well, if your own financial situation is not stable, you don't want to invest in other people's, right? And hopefully that their situation is better than yours. You want to make sure that you manage your debt, save, and you can go, you can go on a good life. You can live a decent life. Investing is for that money that's extra, you know, above what you need. We have about six more minutes. Um, I think some of these people have said their questions got answered. Let's see here. Will I continue to do these? <laughs> um, yes, uh, I, I will try to have these different webinars um, periodically. Um, I don't want to commit to, let's just say, like a monthly uh, webinar or or even a, a quarterly webinar for that matter. Uh, the reason is because a lot of my client base really depends on me um, to be there to to kind of be um, present. So I don't want to necessarily be too far away from here. But as I said before, if there is a speaking engagement or if there is you know a church gathering or a charity event that you need me to come speak at, um, I'll be happy to kind of do this presentation for them. That's why I put this together. Because there's four, there's four things, there's four pillars basically, or, or stages that we need to be in. As I said before, you know, you want to be managing your debt, savings, investing, or wealth transfer, and being able to properly identify yourself into those categories is going to really improve your situation. Because when you try to jump from managing debt to investing or, or transferring your wealth, you end up spending more money than you really need to, and you're really taking on more risk than is necessary in that situation. So yeah, this has a question about the avalanche method and, you know, why would anybody do the snowball method? And I, I kind of touched on it on the, the webinar, but the idea here is that investing is a filling process. So when you're investing, you need to do what makes you feel good, right? What, what are some of the practices that you can have on a daily basis that's going to keep you consistent with your your savings or with your investing. And if that means making sure that your credit card shows zero and that gives you, you know, that pumps you up and makes you feel good, then go ahead and do it. Um, these are just methods. You know, there's no right or wrong answer in investing. And I hope this presentation didn't come off as such that I, I have all the answers and, and nobody else does. That's not what this is all about. What this is about is helping you become aware of the options that you have in the financial world. And that's why it's even more imperative that we customize this, this plan for you. Because when you try to pick from Sally and Jim and, and Tony and, and everybody else, that becomes a problem, right? So let me do this here. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a few things on here. So if you have a pencil and paper, we have maybe like two more minutes or three more minutes. 
I'm going to put some key takeaways that you can have. Um, you know, pick what you want. Do here. Nice little easy screen here. So one, if you have debt, number one should be get out of it. That should be your first goal. Get out of debt before you do anything else here. Next takeaway, automate your savings. Find out ways to systematically be great. Second of all, giving the information and guidance is different than telling people what to do. So if you get in a situation and, and you know, I'm an advocate of financial justice, if you're getting to the point where unchecked salesmanship, where they're just out for the money and they're not here to guide you, um, you may want to get out of that situation. Okay. Another key takeaway, having a financial plan is how you keep your conviction when times get tough. So the idea here is that when you have a plan, you won't be tempted to come off of it because you know the results of the plan. You may not know the results of, you know, trying to, you know, in, invest in, you know, it's at GameStop or, or AMC. I have nothing against those stocks. I, I don't want to pick on those, but it's just they're fresh on everybody's mind. And I just think everybody is uh, aware of, of what they are. So once again, I am A.B. Ridgeway. If you have any other questions, comments, or concern, um, once again, you can always email me. Um, I'll be happy to respond to, to what I can um, and the capacity in which I can answer. Some questions that may be asked, uh, I may have to uh, give you the politically correct answer. Um, but if, if you do ask the question, be sure that excuse me, be ready for a context question. I want to figure out, you know, what we're dealing with and things of that nature. So for those who are listening from the Lafayette area, this is our address. Once again, the 537 Cajun Dome Boulevard at uh, Suite 111 in Lafayette, Louisiana, 70507. I want to thank everybody for coming on today. Um, family, friends, visitors, in-state, out-of-state. Uh, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let me see. Put some of this on here for y'all appreciate it i really appreciate it thank you so much thank you so much i really appreciate it thank you thank you i really appreciate y'all coming out once again let me say this before i wrap up i'm gonna let you go at six o'clock on the dot um if you have any more questions that you have and you didn't really get to them let me know i may even create a special webinar um, for the questions that I gather post. So I'll talk to you then. If you need anything, once again, my name is A.B. Ridgeway, and this has been A Saving Grace. Thank you.